Graham Nicholas. You stumped me there. <laughs> Nigel Spackman. I played with some big names in my time. Graham Nico Nicholas. He won the Bracknell District League Division 2. Nigel Spacker Spackman. Shooting from the hip. It's the lip. <laughs> Graham Nicholas and Nigel Spackman. Shooting from the lip. Well, Spackers, what a wonderful weekend for British sport in the sunshine. Talk about shocking Premier League results, a cricket miracle, Eddie Headingley, and record-breaking score for the England rugby boys at Twickers. I can't remember the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Rory McIlroy, you missed out as well, winning $15 million. That only equates to £12.2 million or something, so it's not really worth playing a four rounds of golf to win that, is it? But congratulations to him. He was brilliant. Poor lad, he's had a poor season, hasn't he? He's had a great season. It's all about the money. Sport, as you've never heard it before. This is Nico and Spackers. His football team is struggling even more. Man United's team. Oh, what about we'll get on to that later, as we will do with our guest this week, Clive Allen. Can't wait to talk to him. And he'll be telling us what he thinks of Tottenham, or should I call them Tottering Hotspur before they play Arsenal? Oh, Tottering them. I like that. Where did you get that? Someone must have given you that line. You couldn't have worked that all out for yourself, could you? I'm a journo, mate. You're a journo, eh? I'm okay. a journo, okay. mate. Now, Clive's no, great lad. It's going yeah. to be good to hear what he thinks about the season so far. He does a lot of the French football as well. And does he? knows he? a lot of the uh, French players, having played over there for Bordeaux for a little bit. Yes, but, he did. Um, he I played just, for everyone, didn't he? Uh, in England, he did. Seven clubs in, uh, in London alone. Yeah, it's not bad, eh? But he could oh. score a goal, couldn't he? Or two, or 49. Oh, I saw quite a few of them. Now, getting back to last weekend, uh, Spackers. While Spackers was wined and dined at Anfield as he entertained Liverpool fans, I was left watching Jurgen Klopp's boys cruise past Arsenal eating a ham and pickle sarnie and a couple (laughs) of bags of crisps washed down with a pint at the ex-servicemen's club near Bristol Rovers ground. That's wow. how the other half lived. Now, did you get to see any of the, uh, the game whilst you were eating prawn sandwiches? Mate, no prawn sandwiches for me, mate. Steak and chips. Don't worry about that. A glass of red. After I'd done all my work, watch a fantastic game. Because Arsenal weren't that bad, I have to tell you. Pepe had a great oh. chance at 0-0 when he got yeah. through 1-1. A one-on-one with the goalkeeper. Hit it straight at Adrian. But overall... Liverpool was superb once again. The energy, the goals from Salah. When he comes inside, everybody knows what he's going to do. He's going to bend it in that bottom corner. But it's like Iron Robin, when he needs to get in those positions, you know what he's going to do, but can you stop him? And Mo Salah, you know, stuck it in the back of the net, stuck the penalty away as well. Uh, Matip was superb. Firmino, what Liverpool would do without him, I don't know. His movement creates the space for everybody out. He just doesn't get the recognition that he should. David Luiz, though, should he not have taken one for the team? Can you let Salah go past you like that? Well, he couldn't because he's already on a yellow card. He got given a yellow card for the penalty where he pulled Salah back. Uh, He didn't pull him very hard, but he pulled the shirt. It was was a silly decision from someone so experienced. And then when Salah gets in in that position, if he touches him, it's another yellow and he's off. So he had to pull out the challenge. And then the rest is history, as they say. Salah goes on, gets it on that left foot, bends it in the bottom corner. Unbelievable, but there's only really one place to start talking about first, really, isn't it? The cricket. What cricket? People be talking about Headingley, August the 25th, 2019, until they die. 
when that superhuman batsman Ben Stokes stoked the cricket fires across the world with that sensational batting performance that won the third Ashes test for England when everybody wrote them off against the old enemy, Australia. We were all in tears. Well, I wasn't in tears. I was trying to follow it on my phone, on the train, coming back, going, what's... And when they said one wicket left, two <laughs> runs needed, I'm like, oh, give me a signal. I don't want to watch this or, or hear this or whatever on the train. It was unbelievable. But I have to say, um, Ben Stokes, 135 runs. Yeah. That reverse sweep oh. where he hits it for six, I'm like, incredible. Yeah. And I, I think he's watched it back with some of his... Uh, teammates now yes, he isn't has. he and they were like he, he didn't realize what he's actually done but no. it was superb and i i'm old enough and you're even older you you remember wg grace i remember ian botham and uh, ian botham was absolutely brilliant back in 19 yeah. uh, 1981 yeah. with bob willis absolutely brilliant oh, i love but, that day but you can only be as good as the uh, generation you're playing with and i think uh, botham was b- brilliant then wasn't he but um, Andrew Flintoff was brilliant but Ben Stokes under the pressure to keep the ashes alive was absolutely out of this world I have to say greatest test result probably ever one of the greatest test performances ever by a guy now luckily I was at the uh, Vitality Stadium they didn't play cricket there did they? they didn't no okay. on uh, on Sunday night after the Man City game and fortunately for the media mm. Pep Guarola arrived for his post-match media interview just after Stokes had powered home that last boundary so we're all cheering and he must have heard it before he came into the press room. He wasn't a happy man because of VAR again, but at least we had a chance to hear it. And what did he say? I don't like cricket. (laughs) I love it. He didn't have a clue what was (laughs) going on. And you wouldn't wouldn't have thought. You wouldn't wouldn't expect it of him, would you? No, but he he loves his football. What a manager he is. And, uh, you know, he likes perfection. And I think the problem with VAR, I think he's come out and said it. I think Pochettino's come out of it. I think Klopp's come out and said it. You're always looking for perfection in new things. But it takes time to perfect it. But we're getting a few... Poor decisions, in my view, at the moment. And the quicker they rectify that, the the happier everyone will be. Well, talking about perfection, we're going to be talking about a perfectionist in front of goal coming mm-hmm. soon. Mr Clive Allen, we're going to have a talk to him right now. Well, there's only one place to start, isn't it? With this big match coming up at the weekend, the local derby. Well, I think uh, it's, it's a really interesting one so early in the season. Um, I think that... Um, for Tottenham's obviously poor result yesterday. Um, and then I think uh, with the way that Arsenal have started, I know they were on the end of a heavy defeat, but I have to say, I thought they've started quite brightly. Um, and I, I, it's such a difficult one to call. I think it will be a um, a real a real marker for either side if they can get a result at, at this early stage of the season. Yeah, what about getting Deli Ali back? I think they're talking about he might be fit or fit for the bench. And what about the situation with Ericsson? Yeah, um, Christian Ericsson uh, is a problem. There's no doubt about that. I think, um, you know, there, there's there's been that this hangover from um, the window closing here in the Premier League, but European window still open. Loads of speculation, playing, not playing. Um, is he staying? Is he going? I think um, that needs to be resolved. Um as far as Delhi's been missed, I think that Spurs were slow on, on Sunday, the way they played. They need him. Certainly, I feel Harry Kane misses out when Delhi's not in the side. They link so well. So, um, getting Delhi Ali back is vitally important for Spurs. It's so frustrating it for the Spurs fans. You know, one great, well, get a great draw at Manchester City and that defeat. 
yes, I think they get themselves into some, you know, some outstanding positions where um, a result can can uh, can you know can make their season, and all of a sudden they let it slip. So um, yeah, it's something they need to learn. It's it's having that you know that ruthless streak to 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 get results when you have to get them. I think that's the thing. So sometimes they get results when uh, you know they're up against it and people don't expect them to win. But when you have to win, when you when it you know when things are on the line, they they haven't managed to conquer that yet. Well, that's why it's such a big game at the weekend, isn't it? Against Arsenal, I, I watched the Liverpool game. I was up at Anfield, and to be fair, Arsenal played quite well. Had a had a chance with Pepe with his pace, got in behind, couldn't finish though. Nil nil. It could have been a different game, Clive. But you know, Liverpool, uh, you know, ruthless. And I think that's something that Tottenham have got to become a bit more ruthless when they're not playing well. Yeah, definitely. I think the thing is at the moment the the, the one worry certainly from the games I've seen, is that, you know, Harry Kane's chances have been very few and far between. And, you know, giving him chances, he will score goals. Yeah, they haven't created enough opportunities for him. When they do, he will score. So that that is something that I think they'll be they'll be concerned about and they need need to work on because um it, it is a situation exactly what what you say. They they they've got to be ruthless in games and if Harry's not getting chances, they're gonna to struggle to win games. You know, you do I know you do a lot of the French football, Clive. You you played out there, you know the game so well. Undembele, who I think when I've watched him uh, when he was over in France, I thought a top, top player. How's he fitted into the Premier League? Well, I think it's going to take him time to fit in. I think um, he's a real young talent. He's one who's athletic, can go from box to box. He, he, you know, he's going to fit well for Spurs, but um, it's not going to happen immediately. I think um, I have to say, I feel that it was, uh, it was a big price to pay for him. I can understand it perhaps at his age that he they can command he can command such a um, a big transfer fee but um, I think Spurs supporters are going to have to be patient with him I, I do think it's going to be a good fit but it's going to take a little while Clive it's a strange situation with the manager Pochettino he's come out and said some strange things I mean last season he said if we won the Champions League I might not stay around um, you get the feeling he's a little bit negative in some situations uh, do, you, do you feel that? Uh, there are times I think um, you know it, it, it's obviously uh, he has a good relationship with with uh, Daniel Levy, the the chairman. Um, that's not always been easy for managers over over a number of years now. Um, I think that um, I I just think that sometimes he's a little conservative in in the way that Spurs play because they have such talent when they play the game at a high tempo. When they when they pass the ball quickly, they're very very effective. Um, and sometimes I just feel he's a little bit too conservative. He has said some strange things. There's no doubt about that. Obviously, um, it, it would have been quite remarkable had they won the Champions League that that he was perhaps considering, um, you know, taking taking some time out and, 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 you know, looking at the options open to him. But um, obviously that hasn't happened. But it, it is a case now where Spurs have to produce some trophies. They have to win. Yeah. I do, I do, and I think he knows that. I think he knows the the, the you know the pressure, the expectation that um, that comes with. Uh, I've got to say, you know, success last season to go to the Champions League final to qualify for Champions League again through their league position was it was a, again a very very good achievement. But he needs, and I think he understands that um, the club needs to start winning. Back in 1983-84, this this day, I made my debut for Chelsea, would you believe it, in the old second division yes. against Derby yes. County, yep. Peter Shilton yep. and all. They were favourites to go up and uh, we beat them 
Yeah. Goal scoring was not my forte, as you well know, but it was definitely your forte, mate. Did you score on your debut for any of your clubs? Can you remember the opening game of the season? Yeah, my very first game for Queen's Park Rangers. Um, I was 17 years of age and um, I managed to score a hat-trick against Coventry, which was uh, quite something. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to take your chances, don't you? You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a great believer that, you know, opportunity presents itself even even to this day for, for young, talented players. But the, the ones who are real players, they take their chances. I always remember that goal you scored, that f- tremendous free kick where it went in the top corner against Coventry, was it, in the FA Cup or something like that? And they didn't it give it? League, it was a league game for playing for Crystal Palace at Coventry, yes. Um, it was a game where we, we were having a difficult time at Palace at that time. We hadn't started the season particularly well. And um, I fired a free kick in from outside the box, hit the uh, what was the old-fashioned stanchions in the back of the net, and it come bouncing out and and got the referee wave play on. Um, yeah, it was quite remarkable. They then removed they removed the the, uh, the steel stanchions from the goals after that, and uh, they had to be tied up or they had to have peg be pegged back because um, they didn't want that happening again. But yeah, it was a freakish freakish goal. So one one that I wasn't credited with. No, one one of the few. Yeah. But what about that season? Everybody had talked about it. I remember I said to you one day, I think, what was that season when you scored 48 but, goals, Clive? And you went, no, 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 it's 49. Yeah, 86, 87. That's right, yeah. Record season at Spurs in um, in 86, 87. Yeah, wonderful team I played in. Um, got off got off to a great start opening down a season, a hat-trick against Aston Villa and, and never looked back. And, um, you know, it was a club club record it still is to this day um and uh yeah it was just one of those seasons where you know if i got in the right position so i had a few a few decent players playing with me backers glenn oddle chris waddle ozzy ardeles yeah that's right and uh you know they created a lot of chances and unfortunately um, i i managed to put me in the back of the net i was going to say mr hoddle yeah. waddle yeah, well, David Pleat came up with the idea. Obviously, we 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 know of five man midfields this to this day, but um, at that time it was it was it was it was something new. Teams we just overloaded teams in that midfield area because of the way the the, the boys passed the ball so short and kept possession. We dominated the ball, and and obviously for me as a striker, people said, "Well, you played on your own." I didn't play on my own because obviously there was always one breaking from that midfield five. Um, we had we had width with with Chris Watt on one side, and my cousin Paul on the other, um, and it, for the players that we had, it worked. The system worked perfectly, and you know David Pleat has to take a lot of credit for that. Yeah, but that was it. That was interesting system they played as well, wasn't it? Because you played up top. I loved uh, I loved the game, and and obviously scoring goals was was something that I'd, I'd done from an early age. And um, my father, obviously being a, an ex professional himself, always used to say, if you score goals, people will take note of that. And there's always someone out there who needs a goal scorer. So, um, you know, that was that was perhaps the, the philosophy I had. And, and that was perhaps why over the seasons I, I played for different clubs. But it was, uh, you know, cases supply and demand. They they wanted a goal scorer and I got I got opportunities to, to play at different clubs. Clive, I voted for you as football writer, uh, football writers, um, footballer of the year because you won that uh... Uh, 1987 uh, FA Cup final was that was Coventry. I'm going to bring I'm going to bring Spackers down a, a minute after that because uh, obviously that was a bit of a shock, wasn't it? Losing to Coventry in the final, but then 12 months later, <laughs> Spackers turns up at Wembley against the all-conquering Liverpool and lost to Wimbledon. I know, I know. Yeah, but I at know. least we won the title. <laughs> 
it was one of those days, I think, um, you know, sometimes you look back in your career and it doesn't matter what you do in certain games, you, you just don't have that feeling that you're going to win. Clive, just, I mean, you got 112 goals and 173 games for Spurs. You were talking about boyhood dreams. Well, boyhood heroes, my hero was Jimmy Greaves. Yep. And I think you yep. became, you overtook him as the Spurs record goal scorer, didn't you? That's right, yes. I grew up with my father telling me that he was the best goal scorer he's ever seen, that probably ever played the game. He actually replaced uh, my father at Spurs. So, um, I, you know, and, and I think, you know, if someone comes into a football club and you, you move on, you, you, you perhaps don't have the, 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 the fondest memories of them, but Dad always said of Jimmy that he, he was the greatest. And um, obviously breaking his record, it was actually at, at Villa Park in, on the, in the semi-final on that FA Cup run in 86, 87, when I broke, the, broke his record and, and the club record and obviously took it on to the 49, scoring in the cup final that season. But so, yeah, he was, he was the best. <laughs> you probably did moan about it afterwards but can we all send our best wishes to him because he hasn't been that well Clive thanks very much for coming on I really appreciate it mate a sports podcast like no other this is shooting from the lip look look, Nick you know I love the football like the cricket like the motor race and everything I'm yeah. not a big big rugby man but when you kick the football, it sort of looked like you were actually kicking a rugby ball. You were that bad. So should we get on to talking about, about rugby and that great result for England against Ireland? Well, I will do in a minute. But are you forgetting my League and Cup winning double? Yeah, I am. Yeah, you are. I am, okay. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. thank you very much. Actually, I've met your uh, first uh, boss out there yeah. today. Oh, you did? Yeah. Chris, yeah. From, from Bracknell. Yeah. Why Bracknell News. Yeah. That's yeah. because he knew that you scored a couple of goals in the league, gave well, you a job. Well, absolutely. Um, he wish he hadn't, he said. September 3rd, 1973, I walked into the Bracknell News. And what? That, when? I'll tell you that, yeah. <laughs> you probably weren't around then, were you, Spackers? What year was that? Listen, you. <laughs> listen. I wish you would take the mick out of these rugby boys in front of them. No, Have you wouldn't. seen the size of them? Wow, what a record-breaking point spree that was against Ireland at Twickenham. Eight tries destroyed the Irish. But as Billy Vanipula said, I'll get it right. That's very good. Vanipula, isn't it? Let me say, but as Billy Vanipula said... That's how they say it in Bournemouth. They say, yeah. <laughs> they need to produce that type of performance away from home and they're going to be doing that pretty soon in the World Cup in Japan yeah. well that's the big test you know it's okay doing it in uh, you know the own shores so to speak but you've got to take it into the World Cup and you've got to take that confidence and you've got to take that open play which they've yeah. become better at now rather than waiting for the drop goals and all that stuff the t- scoring tries playing fluid rugby but you also got to have the boys who are committed to the tackle you know keeping fit is the big thing, for, I think, for, for most of those players. If you want to go on and win a World Cup, you don't change your 15 that much. And I think that's the big thing going forward into the World Cup, keeping everybody fit. What do you know? You don't watch it. You've yes, just I told do. me you don't watch it. Yes, I do. How you many do. times have you been to Twickenham? Two or three. Three. Have you? I've reported on two matches okay. there. Okay, I've only yeah. been there twice. Oh, well, there But you I've know. driven through Twickenham quite a few <laughs> times. <laughs> the A316. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, another little point of warning. Sir Clive Woodward, of course, our 2003 World Cup winning head coach, has told the players to cut out the social media exploits and the beers and to focus on the job in hand. Well, this is very interesting because if you remember, and very painfully I do, the Red Roses were totally out of control in the World Cup in New Zealand in 2011 before they totally lost their way in the World Cup at home, which look, destroyed look, me. Look, 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 Nico. 
social media, racist abuse, all this stuff that's going on in the football world. We've had it again at the weekend. I just think that if a manager says to the players, look, let's have a meeting. What about this social media? Let's try and cut it out. Do we actually need it? Do we need to be feeding this, feeding yeah. that? Because the only thing is you're going to get abuse back if you don't get the results. Yes. You get the praise if you do get the results, but you might get a stick that you should do better than that. You only won so-and-so. Yeah. And so. Is there any point, if it's not controlled, the media or the social media, yeah. to be doing it? When you're no. going away to a World Cup, well, let's concentrate. We want well, to be winners. Do all that afterwards. Yeah, exactly. They get too involved with it. People take it too seriously. You've got a guy sitting at home with probably a pint of beer just saying what he wants to have a go at someone. Listen, it's not in the local paper. It's not in the national press. It's just someone having his say. Yeah, but this, but this thing... Involved this, with it. This thing's with the likes of Pogba and Rashford re- recently. Yeah. Is, why don't you just stop doing it? Why doesn't Man United just say to all its people, right, we're shutting that down for a couple of months and, and you know, let it all drop, concentrate on the football? Yeah. Man United could do with that in the moment after their result at the weekend as well. But yeah. I think social media is out of control at the moment and people have to have a real good look at it, have a good look at themselves. Do I actually need that? Yeah, I'm going to come on to that in a moment. Okay. Here's a chance for you to do a bit of singing again. You I pro- don't like cricket. No, not that. I love it. I know, listen, I know okay. you're old enough. That's to, 10 cc, to, by the way. Oh, anybody out there? I'm trying to do it. Smackers, do you want to do you want to go on top of the pops or what? I mean, I've been on top of the pops. Oh, all right, told those sound as a pat. Go on. He's doing it again, <laughs> boys, boys. Okay, okay listen. Can on, you remember on. the film, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly? Yeah, you were the ugly one. Yeah, I remember go that. Go on then. Go on then. Can you do that? No. Do, 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 do. do you remember that? No. Right. Okay, we're going to go. Th- we're going to go through those three. The good from the weekend. Yes, go on. Mark Noble graces 15th anniversary at West Ham with a penalty in the 3-1 win at Watford. What a fabulous club man! You don't see mm-hmm. many of them nowadays showing such loyalty, just like Billy Bonds did with the Hammers and Matt Letizia did at Southampton. Mm-hmm. What a great club man! A great club man, and uh, I think his his work rate, his attitude rubs off on the other players. Um, to to be at one club for that long it, these days is incredible, and uh, when he gets back, the the Hammers win a game. So it just shows how important he is. And I think also is if you're if you're an English club, you do like young players who've come through your system, and he's come through the system at West Ham. And I think all supporters are really looking for a couple of players to come through their youth system and become top players. But to stay around for 15 years is remarkable. Well done, well done, Mark. The bad. We've got going back to that old uh, chestnut VAR again. Um, referees are saying that, you know, maybe the referees have got to look at the monitors more, maybe check things, because old Pep, he was not a happy man at Bournemouth after missing out on that penalty a week after VAR, VAR robbed them of a winner against Spurs. Should the referees go back to the monitor and re-look at it again? Look, what we've got to get in is who's referee in the game. Correct. The referee. So the ultimate decision has to come, in my view, from the referee, not from someone sat watching monitors at Stockley Park. There has to be a little bit more, I've got to take responsibility. They're trying to take the things away from the referee so they're not getting criticised by the players. And the, the referees are there tapping their ears saying, well, what can I do? I've got to take the decision of what they're saying at Stockley Park. I think if you're man enough and you're there as a referee, you say, I want to take responsibility for the decision. Let me look at it on the monitor. Yeah. And we need to clear this up. And we've got to accept it. 
Yeah, you've got to accept it. And the, but the thing is, it's like with every, everything, if that is the way you're going, you have to accept that. I think this thing with handball and all that, which uh, UEFA are trying yeah. to bring in and force you to use it, if it's, if it's handball anywhere, it's a, it's a penalty or it's, it, you know, it's a handball. But the ball sometimes hits your hand. You, you know, what, do you want to cut your arms off or something? Yeah. It's, it's, it's going a bit crazy for me. And I think there needs a little, little bit of um, a conversation between managers, players, referees, these people who are watching all these things, and try and get it right. Because we want to get it right. And I think it's here to stay. It's got to be here to stay because it's going to make the game better. But, um, you know, you can't have these decisions which, at the end of the season, could cost you getting relegated, could, right. could cost you winning the league, could stop you getting the Champions League. And people will hark back to that, as they did with Liverpool last season, uh, with the decision at Arsenal, where, you know, scored and it was disallowed. If it was VAR that scored, it might have changed that they won the league. So these little tight matters mean so much early on in the season. We've got to get better at it. Thank you, Spack, as well said. Now the ugly. Not you, not you. I was going to have a little go at Will Hughes and that fantastic miss from one yard for Watford. <laughs> it was well, incredible. I'll tell you what I have to say. Watford yeah. really struggling at the moment, yeah, aren't they? they and that's they the pressure. You get in that position, you miss from there, your confidence is low. Yeah. It can happen to anyone. It can even but, happen to you, mate. Or even, absolutely more important, it might have happened to Clive Allen. Yeah, it may have done. But anyway, the uglier thing is these, you know, these online trolls again. It's plaguing the national game, but it's uh, also coming right down at all levels. As I say, I was at Bristol Rovers. You see their excellent win over Oxford at the weekend. They got two wins in a row, but the previous weekend, the manager of Bristol Rovers, Graham Croft Coughlin, revealed that his daughter had been taking abuse online. Now, he is a big fella. I wouldn't uh, abuse anyone in his family if I was him. And he was very angry by it. And he came out and told us that, uh, he, well, he told, the, he told the trolls, he said, leave my family alone, come at me, I'm big enough, but come nowhere near my family. But when you're getting a manager saying things like that, mm -hmm. that was quite emotional and well said, and something needs to be said. But going back to that, mm -hmm. threatening his family. Yeah, but again, um, you know, close the account, get off it. And nobody can do it. It's, it's just people want to do it. Why Why do you want somebody knowing what you're doing when you're missing your train or you forgot to get your OAP pass and all that stuff? You're going to stick that picture, look, I've lost my pass again. This is what people are doing. You've got to put the picture or, the, or your little uh, bit on there so everybody can read it. I don't want people knowing what you're, do, what you're doing in your life, do you? Now, I'll tell you a great story about that. Curtis Woodhouse... Yes. Curtis Woodhouse, yes. who I gave his debut at Sheffield United as a 17-year-old. Great lad. Did you have time to give him a de Wait. his debut? Did you? Because you weren't there long enough. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. See? Have okay. a look at the record. Anyway, okay. um, and he went on to play and get a, a million-pound move to Birmingham City. Curtis, great attitude, really good player. He then left football and went into boxing, became the British uh, champion. And he was getting abuse on that and he um he tracked the guy down one of these guys who was actually given abuse and he he got in the car and he's actually saying i know where you live i'm coming around to see you and the guy's going yeah you don't he said oh yeah i'm just turning into so-and-so road he went and it all went quiet yeah. and uh, he went and knocked on his door and confronted him 
So obviously Curtis being a boxer, he wasn't quite frightened to go around and no. for, and apparently the guy was was it you know the wimpiest person you've ever yeah, met. So course. on the end of uh, yeah, you know people sending it, they're very brave. They're but brave. when people confront you with it, so get off so social media would be my thing. But I'm I'm maybe from the uh, 20th century rather than the 21st century, mate. Okay, that's fine. But the abuse when it comes to your family no. and all that, that's that, that's beyond what life's about, isn't it? You try well, and protect your kids, bring them up in the right way. You try and, well, of course you do. You try and accommodate people when they write letters. Yeah. I can remember uh, Martin O'Neill at Leicester City when he first went there, had a torrid time. And yeah. you know, in those days, it used to be people sending letters, you should be sacked, you're rubbish. He kept all those letters. Did and he? when Leicester started doing really well, and they did do really well, getting to cup finals, blah, 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 he, he, he got in touch with some of these people, ringing them up, what do you think now then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So Martin did it great, but in those days, there was no social media, well, it was exactly. just letters. You can't say a thing now. You just can't say a thing now. Now, we did mention earlier in the programme that obviously um, Tottenham, you know, losing mm-hmm. as they as they as they did was a bad result. But Man United, I tell you what, what a shock that was! Crystal Palace, that old uh, Roy Hodgson, he's doing it again. Well, I, I saw a thing that <laughs> on the day. The, I have to say two things. First thing, I was reading the paper on the way up to to Anfield at the weekend, and don't forget, Liverpool uh, Arsenal was five thirty kickoff. Yes. So. I was up there with all these Arsenal fans and Liverpool fans on the train on the way up, having a bit of fun, all in good humour. I'm saying to the Arsenal fans, what are you coming up to Anfield for? You normally get beat 5-1, 4-0, whatever it is. They said, we don't know why we're coming. But I think with the front three they have, they thought they had a chance, but Lacazette didn't play. But, um, you know, I'd, I was in doing the hospitality, watching the scores coming in, and it's 1-0 Palace, yeah, 1-0 Palace, gets to half-time. Oh, yeah, well done, Palace, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then... Uh, Eighty-eighth minute, wasn't it? Eighty-ninth minute, yeah. <laughs> but no, it came through before that. Rashford missed a penalty. Oh, that's you right. You went, oh, it's going to yeah. be Palace's day. And yeah. then late, late goal, Man United get um, an equaliser. You think, oh, they're going to go on and win it. And then suddenly comes back and it's 2-1 Palace. Can't believe it. And I was reading an article on the way up on the paper. And it was my old teammate, Mark Lawrenson, yeah. saying, have we got a, st- a start calling them Crystal Palace nil? Because yes. they hadn't scored a goal. And then to get two goals away at uh, Old Trafford against Man United, get three points. Man- magnificent for Roy. Top guy, Roy Hodgson. When you meet him, loves his football. Yes. Very he nice, does. educated man. I think, he's, I think he's doing a great job at Palace. Thank you, everyone, for your positive uh, comments on iTunes. Uh, feedback has been great. But there was one critic. Uh, Paul from Birmingham, Spackers, mm. felt we were a little bit safe on the show. Now, I think that's you rabbiting on about your Portuguese vacation in the second episode. <laughs> I told you it wasn't a, a case of wish you were here holiday show. Come on, Paul. Trust me. And there are two words I'm not allowed to say in my home. Mrs. M wouldn't know it. Trust me, I say. Um, we're not safe. We're safe we're about not, what? We're not safe about anything. No one's safe on this show. Definitely not safe. Well, it's, I wonder if Paul is a Birmingham supporter, is he? That could be... No, he's West Brom. Baggies. Is he West Brom? Yeah, he's yeah, a baggy. He's baggies. Okay. So that could be it. No, no, but, I, no I think if, uh, you know, Slavin Bilic uh, hopefully do a good job for them there, yeah. the old baggies. But they've had a lot of turnover oh, in the last few well, years, haven't they? You can they? see Managers why he's bitter. Yeah. I didn't say he was bitter. No, no, I can because I know him. Anyway, if, <laughs> Paul, if you've got a little moan or indeed any of you got a little moan or even would like to praise me having to work with this nobody, then please email me on nico at nicosport.co.uk. Finally, Spackers, did you know you had a nickname when you were when you were living in uh, what is it Andover? The local press writing about you mm. 
uh, wrote and called you Nigel Spaceman. Yeah. Well, I bet you were over the moon about that, weren't you? I was over the moon about that. But do you know that the tune that the Chelsea supporters, Liverpool supporters, Glasgow Rangers supporters all used to do? Spackman. That was great. Ridiculous. And you know, I'd love to have been in that Only Fools and Horses stretch when they did that in that sketch. Only Fools and Horses. That would have been brilliant. You remember when they dressed up as Batman and Robin? Oh, that was a wonderful scene. I feel exhausted as Stokes must have been on Sunday night. But next week we'll be back bright and fresh to chat about international. Are you going for a McDonald's? You going for a McDonald's now? No, that's what he did. He did, didn't he? Well. He just, he just interrupted me. Sorry, mate. Just telling everyone what's on next week. International football, we'll be talking about the next instalment of the Ashes and the rugby boy, rugby boys gearing up for Japan. Are we not talking about Brexit? No, we're not. No. It's yeah. the only show that you don't get to talk about Brexit. <laughs> on iTunes, Spotify and everywhere. This is Shooting from the Lift.